Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. In the Hebrew calendar and God's calendar, most of you know by now that Purim has already been celebrated. I did make an honorable mention of it the last time I spoke, and Joyce made an honorable display of goodies that were even frosted to go along with it, so I thought that was kind of cool that her cookies were prophetic and she didn't even know it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But it's true, she doesn't normally put frosting on it and they, they celebrate with uh, sweets and special sweets. So thank, thank you, Joyce, for that. They, they were absolutely yummy. Um, today, I feel on my heart um, to just visit a little bit, uh, not in great detail, but visit um, Esther a little bit. And um, in 1 Timothy 4.13, Timothy was encouraged to devote himself publicly to the, the, devote himself to the public reading of the word. And, and so today I'm not going to have uh, lots of word studies or anything like that, but it says also in the New Testament as well that the word of God has the ability to... Uh, come between soul and spirit to be able to divide that out between joint and marrow and between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So if you have your Bibles today, I hope you do, but if you don't or if you have them on your app, um, we're going to be in Esther. And uh, for anybody who's not familiar with the story of Esther, um, I won't go into the long song and dance. But the short version was that there, were, there was a king, and there was the king's right-hand man, and the king's right-hand man got all ticked and offended because um, uh, a Jewish man would not bow down to him and give him uh, preference and or reverence. And so he devised this scheme, unbeknownst to the king, that the king could do his bidding and make a law that was going to exterminate all the Jewish people on a certain day. So there you go, here we go. It was probably around 510 BC, and some people think uh, that have studied this uh, part of scripture think that this might have been running parallel to the time of when Nehemiah was building the wall of Jerusalem. But whether or not, I can see real parallels uh, either way. So either way you wanna look at that. So. Um, starting Esther, uh, verse Spaced and took off the chapter. So here we go. I'll just start reading. So sorry. <laughs> this is what you get when you cut and paste scriptures from Bible Gateway. So there you go. <laughs> so sorry. 
on that day, this is where Esther is going to get something and Mordecai is going to be advanced. So uh, on that day, the king Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. Verse 2. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. So Esther and Mordecai and Esther's maids and anyone else that, that uh, cared to be fasting and praying had been fasting and praying, and now there was light shining in the darkness, and kind of like that song that Jerry was singing that their morning was turned into joy, and I bet you they did twirls better than me and my daughter and, <laughs> and such, but their morning was turned into joy. And Esther was enriched. She got to see Haman hanged as a traitor. His estate was forfeited to the crown. But what did the crown do, as in the king? He gave it all to Esther. Um, his houses, his lands, tangible property, all the money he had heaped up as the prime minister of state were given to Esther as her very own. And Esther already had an allowance, so um, I can't imagine what that would be like. And so she got all of that. And uh, then what happens to Mordecai? He was advanced. And after that pompous uh, procession that happened, uh, remember when Haman was saying, oh, this is what I would do, because it's really secretly what he liked and wanted. So after Mordecai, I can't, I just can't imagine this humble guy being like this, but in this procession in the morning in the streets of the city in a blaze of honor, and uh, he was promoted. And then he could finally acknowledge, or it could be acknowledged publicly, that he was the queen's cousin, because although Esther had been there for four years, the king did not know. I do find this kind of interesting uh, for a lot of reasons, but it spoke to my heart while just reading the scripture that at least three times Mordecai said to not speak up. And I would think in my logical Western mindset that you should speak up, you know, but he told her like three times, do not speak up. So I think that it's really cool that at the time that she did speak up, when he told her to speak up, that all of this goodness happened. So he was not only acknowledged as the queen's cousin, but now he finds himself uh, delighting in the Lord and, and also even honoring the king, which I think that's really interesting too. Um, and then the king makes Mordecai his... I kind of rephrase this because there was some other word and I just, I knew that we wouldn't understand it in our Western world, but he became like the monarchy or the king's seal. He not only had the seal, the signet ring, but he became like that. And I think that could be, preach a sermon right there of um, us and, and our King Jesus, but that is for another day. And then the queen also makes Mordecai, his, her steward for the management of Haman's estate, for getting it, for keeping possession of it. And so Mordecai was set over all the house of Haman. I think that's really ironic. So then 
we see that the Jews were encouraged to self-defense because, um, well, I'll let this scripture speak for itself. Perhaps when you're even hearing the reading of this word, I think I've now listened to Esther about six times audibly, and every time something else pops out at me. And um, so while I'm reading this, I, I pray that the Lord will speak something to your heart. So um, now the Jews are being encouraged to um, self-defense. Verse 3, And Esther spoke yet again to the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Verse 4, Then the king held out the golden scepter towards Esther, so Esther arose and stood before the king. Verse 5, And said, If it pleased the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are all in the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come, come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman. Yes. And him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it likes you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. Verse 9. Then were the king's scribe called at that time in the third month, that is, the month Savan, on the third and twentieth day. And it was written accordingly to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews and to the lieutenants and the deputies and the rulers of the provinces, which are from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces, and to every province according to the writing thereof and to every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by post on horseback, and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries. Verse 11, where the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together, and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Upon one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely upon the 13th day of the 12th month, month, which is the month Adar. Verse 13, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all the people, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. Verse 14, so the post that rode upon the mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on, by the king's commandment, and the decree was given at Shushan the palace. So Haman was hanged, Mordecai and Esther were protected, but many others in the king's dominion still hated the Jews, and they had to do something about that. For the preventing of the king, the, the queen made intercession, and just so you know that, 
uh, intercession is not specifically a spiritual word. We do use it as a spiritual word, but it's anybody that comes on behalf of another. Uh, and for us, we do that a lot of times in prayer before the Lord for other people. So she, she came a second time, uncalled for into the king's presence, as I read, and was encouraged to present her petition to, by the king holding out the golden scepter to her. So she gave her petition, uh, is it, put away Haman, put away the harm of Haman, and uh, this particular uh, law that had already been written on books that might not be taking place and that they would appeal to the king for a further act of grace. So what he would need to do, or what she was asking him to do, was to reverse the letters, reverse the law, devise Gahaman to destroy the Jews. So Esther petitions with much affection. She fell down at the king's feet, pleaded with him with tears. It was a time for her to be earnest. It was a time for her to speak up. It was a time for Esther, though safe herself, to beg and petition for the deliverance of her people. And she does this with great submission, um, great deference to the king and his wisdom. Like she says, if it pleased the king and if I found favor in his sight, and again, if the king, if the thing itself seems right and reasonable before the king, and if I ask that it be pleasing in his eyes, let the decree be reversed. So even when she had a reason to have justice on her side, it suited her to speak to her authority with humility and modesty. I don't know, but maybe she knew the proverb that a soft answer turns away wrath. I don't know. Maybe so. But I find that, that it's very interesting that if you just look at the facts and you don't like the reasoning or the motives behind the facts, if you just look at the facts, Vashti was killed for coming against the law. Because the law in those days was the king. So Vashti you know, she, she got killed. So it was no little thing to Esther that she could be killed too because it was the king's law. It was the law on the books. So I, I think that it's really um, a blessing to me to see that there are ways for us to uh, appeal to our authorities and to do that in a respectful way. If for no other reason, because some people, I, I've been hearing some people talk about others and just say, oh, they're just demons and da 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 But the way I look at it is we're all made in the image of God, even if we might be demon-possessed, you know. We're still made in the image of God. So if for that reason only, we, we could find a way to have some respect if we could. And maybe in the meantime, cast out the demon. But anyway, she lastly strengthens but strengthens it, her petition with a personal request, and she uh, goes on to say how much she would be devastated if it didn't happen, and um, speaking very tenderly of her concern um, and weeping for her people. So the king takes a course, and he's going to prevent the damage that Haman designed, and the king knew and informed the queen that according to the constitution of the Persian government, 
the former edict could not be revoked. So whatever was written in the king's name, sealed with king's ring, could not be reversed, period. This was fundamental. So I like how he did it. I like that the king found a practical way to undo the ploys of Haman, save his image, and, uh, and also to please, please the queen, which I, I think that he really, the scripture shows that he had a concern, a care, maybe even a love for her. We don't know, right? So he went, goes ahead and he tells um, Esther, Here, here's my ring. Um, it's given to Mordecai. Mordecai is all trained in, in, in uh, making petitions and declarations and such. And so he forms this edict and this decree. And this, this decree then commissions the Jews that the day that was appointed for their destruction, now they can draw together in unity and they can defend themselves. They can stand for their life and for whoever might assault them, and they can destroy if someone's going to try and hurt them, to assault them, their men, women, and children. They can avenge themselves um, of their enemies. So from the king's point of view, this was showing kindness to the Jews and provided for their safety. And in another sense, it kind of shows how absurd the king had come in that time, in that in that place, because why should they ever, ever think that a decision made would be binding until that person dies? You know, why would they think that? Except maybe they had a God complex and they thought, you know, they were God, megalomaniac. I don't know. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that it was like, without admitting that it probably wasn't the best thing to do, he found a way around it. So there, there's, a, there's, there's probably some lessons to be learned in that. So then now there has to be a promptness uh, of dispersing this information. And I was reading in different um, places about the horses that had been provided for these messengers and that these were very special horses. They were, these were horses that had been bred for speed and bred for endurance. And so the, there were special horses. They were swift horses. They were the king's horses um, that were, were able to be used in this situation so that it was not a time to play around, in my estimation, when so many lives were in danger. So then we go on to verse 15, and we see the joy, the joy of the Jews now. Verse 15, And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel, of blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, and with a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor, and in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the reverence of the Jews fell upon them. So a few days before, Mordecai's in sackcloth, 
and the Jews are in sorrow. Now he's in purple and the Jews are in joy. So Mordecai is now in purple. He puts away his mourning clothes and he put on the royal apparel. It was blue and white, fine linen and purple, and his crown was of gold. I know in this day and age we think like, why isn't that opulence, isn't that overdoing it? But in that, that day, that was, that was the status quo. That was what was um, considered uh, honorable and noble for somebody having the king's favor. So um, now Mordecai was preferred instead of Haman. And the Bible says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. In um, Proverbs... Eleven ten. it says <clears throat> when it goes well with the righteous the city rejoices and so I think this is a good example of that right here because these were at that time these were the righteous people and so now the city was rejoicing and the Jews were in a joy. They were no longer in a dark cloud and disgrace. And um, you could even think of that scripture that says that um, they that sow in tears will reap in joy. And, um, and this very sudden and strange turn of affairs added much to their joy, I'm sure. And one good result of the deliverance was that many people of the land that were considerate, sober, and well-inclined, became Jews, renounced idolatry, and worshipped the one true God. So Haman wanted to completely remove the Jews, and therefore the Jews' God. And in this situation, the opposite happened. The kingdom increased. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so... When we're in the face of difficulties uh, to them, I wonder if they didn't think that it was a time of terror, terrorism, a time of pain and betrayal, at the very minimum, extreme anxiety. Probably would have had to have a 55-gallon drum of tums or something like that. Um, that this woman who came from one of 127 provinces. Can you imagine that? Like from, from India all the way to Africa, 127 provinces, this one girl named Esther gets chosen, chosen for such a time as this. And then to have the opportunity to, to face difficulty without fear and to uh, do what was right without fear and to walk with the Lord in no fear. John F. Kennedy said something. Uh, I tried to pull it off really fast because I had just heard it last night. It was just, uh, it seemed so random. And then as I'm hearing it halfway, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I want that quote, I want that quote. But I didn't get it exactly, but you, I'm sure you could Google quotes of John F. Kennedy. But he called courage as being in his, in this uh, uh, quote, he called courage as being the basis of all morality. And Esther certainly did that, and Mordecai did counsel her co correctly. 
And when it all comes down to it, in my mind, there we could say now for us that there would be two fathers involved. In the, in the uh, New Testament, we're told that there's a father of lies and there's the father of life or the father of truth. And for us, are we going to choose to believe lies, which will fuel fear, fuel anxiety, uh, fuel pain and terror? Um, sometimes we don't even think of it really as fear. And I know some people I've spoken with about a certain subject matter, they've just said vehemently that they're not in fear at all. Um, However, I have noticed something, and I don't know, maybe you've noticed this too, that um, what used to be a standard and what used to be kind of a foundation, or at least in my mind it was, it's like it's been lowered a whole lot and that, that it seems like that the foundation seems to be more on the carnal level, the natural, the human level, you know, where that terror, pain, betrayal, anxiety, all that is like right there and then like to me the standard of the word of god is something different because even in this in this uh uh story of esther and the feast what ended up being now to be celebrated in the feast of purim we see something so so different we see something like so impossible and so sudden and so um, miraculous and it's so strong on my heart and i hope that i can communicate this well um, it's so strong on my heart that we should do everything that we can do and everything that the lord has told us to do as far as our natural realm um, and um, and that is to be supported but we would we would only be doing half of it, but we're not forgetting that we're in a kingdom, we're in another realm. And this, as, long, as well as you have your own testimonies of those miracles and those impossible things, those things that could not have been anything but God, even down to things that I had shared like two weeks ago and through a comedy of errors, my daughter put it on my Facebook page and then through all of that, there were some turnarounds of things in my life going back to my high school and college days that I feel like the Lord has made a miraculous turnaround. And I, and I had just expected, you know, do you ever have those things in your head that you just say, well, you know, that was a bad thing that happened. And thank God it's under the blood, but, you know... Um, it's probably not going to change before I die kind of thing. I don't know. But I, I have had a few of those places. And not even looking for it, not even expecting it, to see this miraculous turnaround. And for me to be speaking about remembrance and memorials, and for one of those situations to happen, to turn on their phone, to happen, to be listening to a message that my other friend who happened to miss church, so she commented, just happened to say something, you know. Uh, it just, 
I just cried almost all day on Monday because I couldn't, I couldn't believe how good God is. I couldn't believe that he would even go to a place that I had just thought, well, it's under the blood, you know, and he'll cause everything to work together for good, but, you know, there's that. So I, I want today for us to be able to um, take a grasp of the anchor of hope, to take a grasp of that hope and, and to say, you know, Lord, you are good. You know, you do turn morning in, into dancing. You do. And Jerry, you can uh, come up. I don't know. Does anyone uh, feel like through reading the Lord's word or, or uh, anything else that you want to add something? No? All right. I gave opportunity. I, I, uh, I believe in miracles. I've seen miracles. I've witnessed miracles. I've seen divine turnarounds. I'm believing for divine tur turnarounds and divine reversals. And I'm, I am believing that I will see, according to Psalms 27, I believe it's verse 14, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.